Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sound. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little boop. The one place where it sounds the best. Sound matters. Welcome to Sound Matters, a podcast about sound and things that matter, made possible by Bang & Olufsen. My name is Tim Hinman. Have a listen to this. It's a city. The last city we're going to be visiting in this current series of the show, which is called Sound of the Cities. Here we are. Final episode. Part 8. Know where it is yet? Well, I'll give you a clue. In fact, I'll just tell you. It's Paris. I have two guests in the show, both of them composers. But before we get to them, I'd like your help. What do you think Paris sounds like? Does it sound like this? Maybe more like this. Or is this more what you had in mind? Imagine you are transported, teleported even. All you have to do is close your eyes and say, Paris, 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 three times. Or if you don't want to, I'll just say it for you. Paris, Paris, Paris. Unmistakable. Unreplaceable. I'm here with Yann Copier. Yeah, I think we are in Paris. It's uh, 19th arrondissement. It means it's northeast of Paris. Now, Yann's a bit of a regular on the show. In fact, the first time we've ever had a regular on the show, because this is his second appearance. He's the guy in the trailer who says, the one place where it sounds the best. Now, Jan is a musician and a composer and a researcher into music and sound, and he's here with me to help me on a rather unusual mission, the nature of which I hope will become apparent and make sense shortly. Tell me, uh, tell me that story about your, your father or your, uh, who believed, uh, someone you told me who said they could always tell if they were embarrassed. It sounds like nowhere else. Yes, it's actually uh, my father came to visit me and he had been to Paris, like he hadn't been to Paris for many, many years. And then he comes out of the, the metro and he looks around and says, it's something special with Paris. It's the way it looks and the way it sounds. That when you, you, you could be teleported anywhere, you will uh, open your eyes and you know instantly that you're in Paris. And Paris is a huge city, right? There's so, so many different places, but there is something to it which is very difficult to explain. That you arrive, you are in Paris. There's absolutely no doubt. It's, you cannot be uh, mistaken with any other city in France, for instance, or in the rest of the world. I don't know the whole rest of the world, but I doubt you have an equivalent. And sound-wise, it is actually the same, this uh, huge, busy thing. Uh, but it's not the same busy thing as in London, of course, or uh, Rome. And this, this, I mean, each one is its own cliche in a way. But uh, Paris has something uh, specific. 
During this series, I've been talking occasionally with my excellent editor, Nathaniel Buzinski. Now, Nathaniel asked me to go to Paris to make this show, to do some interviews, record some sounds, find out once again some kind of angle that we haven't done yet, something that talks about the sound of all of our cities somehow. We're not interested in a conventional sort of travel piece or a picture postcard of audio. We're looking for something new, something smart. Dare I say something fiendishly clever. And here it is. Doesn't sound like much, does it, yet? But it will. Hello? Hello. Hey, hi, Tim. Hi, Nathaniel. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour, how are you? You're, you're in Paris. I am, I'm here with uh, Yen. Yes, hello, oh, hello. Great. Hello. Hi, Yen. Hello. Bonjour. Hey, nice to meet you, Yen. Something nice that may come you. to upset Nathaniel, uh, and something which I hope will not upset you, is that this Parisian backdrop you're listening to is not all it seems. Something about this picture is not quite right, and all will be revealed soon, very soon. You have to, you have to be in Paris to experience Paris. That's the main thing. Do you not agree? <laughs> That's step number one, Of the many discussions that have popped up during this series is the idea that these days many cities sound pretty much the same. What most 21st century cities are offering up these days is the same cocktail of traffic noise and mechanical noise drowning out everything that's special. Everything that's, if you like, what we'd like to call authentic. And it's the authentic part that we're talking about in this edition of Sound Matters. Authenticity. What does that really mean? But yeah, exactly. The, the whole idea of uh, authenticity and reproduction and what's real and, like, what's not real, essentially. You've been teleported down to this street in Paris. What is it about this soundscape that is so authentic? I mean, you're there in Paris. Surely that, you know, you're well, you're better suited to do that. Tell me what you're listening to right now. What can you hear there? What, what are you listening to? What's, what's the sound like you? Well, we're actually surrounded by quite a lot of trees and there's just a couple of people walking distance and we just hear the traffic in the distance, really. From here, it's, there's a bird, yeah, there's a... You can hear that? It's time to come clean, tell you what's really going on. Now, just before I was going to book a flight here to Paris to make this show, I read a piece of news on the internet. It said the police had seized 20 tons of fake Eiffel Tower souvenirs. 20 tons of fake Eiffel Towers. The thing was that the fake Eiffel Towers looked exactly the same as the real Eiffel Towers you could buy in the souvenir shops on the Eiffel Tower. 20 tons. And Paris has a lot of tourists. 15 million international tourists and maybe 
another 30 million domestic tourists, all looking for that authentic experience. So there came my brilliant idea. What would it take to fake Paris? What would it take to make Nathaniel think I'd gone to Paris when in fact I'd never left home? Yes, well, uh, au revoir. Au revoir. Yeah, same to you, buddy. Yeah. Take, take care now. Bye. Bye, bye, Ian. Sweet. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> great, I think you fell for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, hope, I hope Nathaniel doesn't get too upset with me that I didn't really go to Paris. <laughs> but, um... That's the whole point, yeah. That's the whole point of this show. Now, once upon a time in Paris, there was a German philosopher and thinker. And his name was Walter Benjamin. And he spent a great deal of time wandering around in the streets of Paris. And to cut a very long story short, one of the books he wrote while he was here in the 1930s is called The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction. Walter Benjamin suggested that if you reproduce and copy works of art, they'll never quite have the same schwung as the original. By making millions and millions of copies, you'll eventually devalue a work of art somehow. It'll lose some of that schwung. It's easy to reproduce and copy stuff in an age of mechanical reproduction. And Benjamin thought it was really about time we started rethinking the whole idea of authenticity. All this years before the age of digital reproduction, before the internet, before, dare I say, podcasts. So, easy version of Benjamin is a fake plastic Eiffel Tower is not as good as a real plastic Eiffel Tower, which is, of course, nowhere near as good as the Eiffel Tower just the cliches he was talking about suddenly made me think of all the places we should visit. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, uh, how did I not even think about uh, Montmartre? You know, it's like the old... The original will always have a special quality, its own aura, a kind of real presence in time and space, and that's what can't ever be reproduced. So here comes the tricky bit for you and me. If you're going to record the sound of a city, or represent the sound of a city, or recreate the sound of a city, and so on, and so on. At which point in that whole process is it real, authentic? Well, now we're sitting in a typical French, I guess it's a bistro cafe. Here. What if I take a recording back to the editing room and chop it up? Wait his attention. Mix it with my voice, make it into a sound file, put it up on a server, and then you download it and listen to it. Oh, hey, can I ask which one is yeah. the real one? I'm actually making some recording. Are you controlling the music here? Yeah. I was wondering if you might have any music that sounds a bit French. Which one's authentic? Yeah. You do, you've got some French sounding music. Excellent. Because we're supposed to be in Paris. You see where this is going. <laughs> I have some playlists that are. That are to stick to, but uh, I know that on some places. 
It's a kind of impossible task to point at exactly what's going on in this business of authenticity. Ah, perfect. Yes. Ah, it's super French. Is it loud enough? Um, that's perfect. It's perfect. So now we're in a perfect French cafe. We don't have any other people in the cafe yet. I can add some later, maybe. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I just uh, wait a minute. So now we're in the, the the cafe we're in, but we're not in Paris. But if I just press this, maybe I think a little. Yeah. Oh, that's more like it. <laughs> Natural. What is it? What is it? We can't fake. Yeah, what is real about? I, actually, I would say it's more interesting to take it uh, the up, uh, reverse and say, what makes it fake? Like then try to listen to everything that is around us, including in the street, and not when I mean, you can close your eyes. It's not so good to do if you're walking in the street. But think about what is fake here. What is it that's not real? You know, and uh, it starts with details. And then you start realizing that so many things are not real. So many things come from loudspeakers and they're just processed. Or so many sounds are not correct in many ways if you start pointing out, pointing at them. So, so it's, it's uh, extremely difficult to get an idea of the sound of Paris. What is real with the sound of Paris? I mean, if you take the sound of a place and you reproduce it in the same place, it's a thing, and then you take the sound of a place, you reproduce it in another place. Let's say, for instance, if we were crazy, we could be in Copenhagen and pretend we're in Paris. And if you play Paris in Copenhagen, is it more authentic than if you recreate Paris in a studio but in Paris? Which is a, indeed a good question. <laughs> oh, that was an ambulance. I told you they were doing pam 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 pam. So, um, uh, but is, is yeah, is that real actually? I think it was edited. <laughs> it was. Should we see if the ambulance was? No, the ambulance was real. Listen, we can play it back again. Listen. Pure Parisian sound. It's proof that we're in Paris. It, uh, there is no doubt. We must be in Paris. Surely there must be something I can do to make sense of all this nonsense. Well, I think, luckily, maybe there is. Because of another great idea born in Paris, an entire musical movement, in fact, which, even if you don't know about it, was instrumental in making that jump into a world of mechanical reproduction and turning those endlessly copyable works of art into something new. It's time to meet my next guest. This is Francois Bonnet. 
I'm Francois Bonnet. Um, I'm head of uh, the GRM in Paris, France. I'm composer and a theorician. Now, Francois really was in Paris when I talked to him, honest. I used a telephone to call him in his office at the Group Recherche Musicale, the music research group in English. Now I'm in um, my office, which uh, is a pretty nice office because outside I can see the Eiffel Tower. That would be the real Eiffel Tower, in case you're in doubt. The history of GRM started really in 1948 uh, with the invention of... The group Research Musicale has had a long history. It was born at the same time as an entirely new kind of music, right here in Paris. Something called musique concrète. Literally translated, concrete music. And the man who started it all was composer Pierre Schaeffer. Moi j'ai trahi la musique respectable pour la musique concrète et le violoncelle de mon enfance Pierre Schaeffer got to wondering while he was working at the radio how radio plays and so on could be made with ready-made sound effects and with the use of all sorts of recorded sounds but when it came to music well music was sort of stuck everything had been tried Music was stuck with musical instruments and notes written on a page. And all this at a time when, because of brand new technology, there's that mechanical reproduction again, it was becoming possible for the first time to record and manipulate any kind of sound and maybe turn it into, well, music. Finding a way to... Um invent a new kind of music with uh, another approach and the other approach was to use every existing sound so the concrete in music concrete refers to pre-existing sound and the idea was to use every sound and um, with the new techniques with uh, shellac vinyl and then uh, magnetic tapes to manipulate the sound and to produce a new, a new, a new kind of music, uh, music with noise. Basically, it was first called. And that's what you can hear in the background. Arguably the first piece of music ever made with just noise. Not an easy task in 1948, as Francois Bonnet can explain. It's considered now as the first uh, study of music concrète. It's called Etude au chemin de fer. And um, basically, uh, Pierre Schaeffer uh, went to a train station. It was Gare des Batignolles, which is no longer existing. And um, with a big truck, because of course at this period in 1948 there were no portable tape recorder, so it was like a, a, a big truck. And he asked uh, the um, mechanics, the pilots of the train, to do stuff like rolling, like blowing the whistle. And um, so he gathered material from the sounds of the train. He was um, doing samples through vinyl, basically, and mixing sounds well, with one another. 
starting in a very uh, primitive way the um, all uh, the procedure you do in uh, electroacoustic and electronic music. So, these scratchy recordings of steam trains in Paris are the first use of something pretty much all modern music takes completely for granted. Samples. This piece of music, in many ways, paved the way for the idea that any pre-existing sound is okay to mess around with in a musical process. So it developed a new aesthetic, and it developed as well at the same time, almost at the same time, a new theory to think the music. So, those individual sounds, he gave them a name. They became sound objects. A sound object is a sound, in, in the Schafferian tradition, a sound object is a perceptual sound, a perceptual object, so it's not a physical object. Uh, we, we call a physical object, uh, for example, the um, tuning fork that produces uh, a sound. It's a sound body. But the sound produced by the tuning fork is a sound object. And the sound object kind of suppose that the sound has a beginning, a hand, and that has a, a small form. This is a sound object. The idea of Schaeffer was to take sounds from the pre-existing world, the concrete sounds, and from this sound built objects. So what Schaeffer wanted to do was to make new objects. Distinct from the original thing that made a sound, he wanted to do whatever the hell he wanted with these existing things and make new objects, new authentic things, compositions. You could say, well, so much for Walter Benjamin and his worries about the aura of an original piece of work then. Since we got those lovely machines of reproduction to enable us to create new works of art, well then, we've just made ourselves a brand new kind of authentic. You keep the qualities of the sound, but you kind of forget, uh, because you, 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 you can't trace back the, the origin of sounds. And when you have completely lost tracks of what it is, you can listen to it as a pure musical object. It didn't take long before Music Concrete span off in all sorts of directions. And the GRM itself has remained at the forefront of research, not only into what music can be, but also has developed many ideas and technologies used all over modern music and sound reproduction. There's still much to be done, though, according to Francois Bonnet. Because the main point about GRM and the main idea behind pushing the boundaries of what music is supposed to be is always about seeking out new boundaries and making new discoveries. As far as Francois Bonnet is concerned, it's all about listening, really listening. Why do we do music and why do we promote it? It's, uh, it's very simple. It's because music is a way to express worlds without words. It's a way of being 
being alive, when you're listening to something, when you're producing music, it's a special way of being a, a human being. And um, there are plenty of modalities of doing the music. And I think a lot of these modalities, because of uh, cultural industries, have just been reduced to having fun, drinking with pals, and belonging to a community. But the, the core experience of the music has been uh, lost in a way. When you go to a rock concert, you can't really listen with your ears. You have to put earplugs and you uh, have a beer with friends and you go for a smoke and you come back and you enjoy the moment to being together. So it's more like a gathering. But this idea of being focused on the, on the sounds themselves and diving into the sound, it's not so much as a, a usual experience of uh, music. So when I say music is about listening, I, we could say music is about deep listening if you want. But mm. to me, listening is deep listening. When you don't uh, really listen to something, you don't listen to it. The gears of those machines of mechanical reproduction never ever stop churning. And they try, by default, always, to make everything easier to copy, to make everything ever more streamlined, to make everything ever more ordinary. If we're not very careful, we'll all end up living in a world where everything is the same. A world where everything sounds more or less the same. Where all music sounds the same. And where our experiences are more and more alike. I wonder if anybody really wants that. Me, music means to me uh, an alternative way of being alive and uh, uh, without the help of language and, not, and no structuration of everything. So it's more like a leaking, uh, something's leaking out of the uh, well-structured and well-formed uh, reality. Um, that's how I understand music. To, be music. to me, music is a conveyor for alternate reality. Music, sound, as a conveyor of alternate reality, people. That's where this season of Sound Matters is going to sign off. Hoping that this little bit of listening has altered your reality just a little bit for the better. If you've not heard the other shows in this season, then please do. They're all out there wherever you found this one, as are all the shows from the first two seasons of Sound Matters. And as will an entire new season be shortly, sometime in the near future, when I once again will try my best to find out as much as I can about sound and things that matter. A very grand thank you to Jan Copier, not least for putting up with my ideas and spending the day with me in Copenhagen, and also for providing the recordings of Paris you heard in the show. Yes, folks, those were in fact real recordings of Paris. Go figure. You can check out Jan's works at his website, which is studiooval.com. That's studio-oval, O-V-A-L-E, dot com. Thank you, of course, to François Bonnet of the GRM in Paris. Read all about the GRM and track down some of the amazing work created there over the last seven decades 
at either inagrm.com or inagrm.fr. Thank you and apologies to my editor, His Excellency Nathaniel Buzinski. Au revoir. Au revoir. This show is made possible through the help of Bang and Olufsen, and you can find out much more about them at bang-olufsen.com. And thanks to you, of course, for listening. Back soon. Bye. Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sound. Sound. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to sound. Sound matters.